0: So, before I begin preaching, what I always like to do is tell a few interesting facts about Sam Kloffenstein. Let you get to know me a little bit better. So, here's a few interesting facts about Sam Kloffenstein. I love pizza, and I mean it. I love pizza. Pizza Hut, Mazio's, uh, All American. I'm, I'm a huge All American person. Pie Five. Hideaway, Pizza World. By the way, Taylor, when we go on our honeymoon, we're going to Pizza World. It's in Branson, it's wonderful, you need to try it. I like pizza, which is a good thing because I'm a youth pastor. And what do you do at all youth events? You eat pizza. So it's a very good thing. God knew what he was doing when he gave me a huge appetite for pizza. Number two, another thing about me, I collect all things Roy Rogers. Now, some of you may not have heard of Roy Rogers. He was a movie star in the 40s and 50s. I like Roy Rogers. I have collect all stuff, Roy Rogers. I enjoy studying the lives of Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke. They're some of the great evangelists of the last hundred years. And it's always been something I've just been passionate about, just learning how they did their ministries. Another thing is I like spicy food. I'm a spicy guy. I enjoy all the different spicy foods, jalapenos, habaneros. I enjoy ghost pepper cheese. Now, I would not ever bite into a ghost pepper, but the cheese is really good. You like do two slices and it's good for the entire meal because it's that hot. It works. The thing about me, I love iPhone games. I enjoy, you know, uh, different games on my phone. Uh, as the years have passed, obviously, I don't do, do it as much as I used to, but uh, especially strategy games. I like the strategy. You, know, you can sit down, spend a few minutes, strategize, and then you can go on to whatever you're doing next. So that's a few things about Sam. Today, I have the great privilege to speak to you and to launch our new series, Places and Spaces. All of us, we have those places where we encountered God. When I say that sentence, something comes to your mind, some place where you encounter God, God did something great in your life. For me, I was 17 years old, kneeling beside my bed when God said, I've called you to be a pastor. That moment changed my life, my trajectory forever. You know, as a teenager, everyone's like, What are you going to do when you grow up like what's your career and i did not know for a long time my family does computer software so i'm like well i could do computer software you know sell that i thought about becoming a video game developer at one point in time he got one of those big thick books that like you know you look at what you're interested in your skills and it pops out and tells you what's probably the best career for you one of the things that popped out was pastor turns out if god calls you to something you have the skills in your life, he places the giftings inside you for that. <laughs> but then there came the call, that moment that really changed me when I'm like, this is what God's called me to do. Remember that moment when I was on the sidewalk next to my house? I just, I come to a moment, I was depressed, worn out, and I said, God, I surrendered all to you. I, honestly, at that moment, I'd gotten so depressed, I didn't even feel like living any longer. But in that moment, I rededicated myself to God. I said, You know, life's overwhelming, but whatever you say, I'll do. And I didn't feel a radical peace, but I felt a shift inside me. There was a light at the end of the tunnel. And in that moment, I knew if I backed that prayer of rededication up with action, my life would change. And it did. Those are the type of moments we experience. I remember the altar in Broken Arrow, Assemblies of God District Council, just a few years ago, 2022, where I said, okay, God, I've been trying for years to find love. I've fought you, I've tried to do it my own way, I've looked and looked, but no young lady, it seems right for me. I just I'm not meeting her. I had all my list of what I wanted, a potential wife, it's not working. I was like, God, I've gotten so lost trying to do it myself. But God, really, all I want is you. I want your will for my life. So I said, it's in your hands. I've tried to figure it out. I can't do it. I'm dedicated to you. I got done with that. I went to lunch. That year at district council, at had the king's feast, like three types of barbecue. So I went and stuffed myself with barbecue. I came back, the speaker had this graphic on the screen, an astronaut sitting in a folding chair on the moon. I'm like, this is gonna be an interesting, interesting session. I'm ready, I'm curious. I don't remember a thing he said, because my phone buzzed and it's my mother. And she's like, hey, there's this girl that wants to meet you. I'm like, what's her name? She's like, Taylor. By the way, I'm seven uh, weeks away from Mary and Taylor. (laughs) There is something about those moments when we say, God, I surrender all. When we finally get to that point of trusting him, God does something amazing in our life. He changes things. Our God's a good God. Spaces and places. We all have those moments where God shows up and does something supernatural. So this month, that's gonna be kind of our theme for our series But today I want to take you to a story in the book of Exodus. The background is Israelites have been supernaturally freed from Egyptian captivity, Egyptian slavery. God has sent Moses to lead them to the promised land. They're on a one-year journey to all God has for them. One year in the wilderness and they're going to be at the promised land. And they're going to have all that God has for them. But then along the way, they end up in a battle. How many of you know there's some battles along the road of life? We're going towards what God's promised us. We're going towards the goal. We're going towards our dreams. And then we end up in a battle. There's some challenges, some spiritual battles we have to fight as we pursue God's purpose. The Israelites are at Rephidim. They've been free from slavery less than two months, and now they're about to be in battle. Exodus 17, 8 through 13. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I'll stand on top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded. He fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. They got a good view of the battle. And as long as Moses, he held up the staff of God in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his arm, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur, they found a stone for him to sit on. And they stood on each side of Moses and they lifted his arms up. And his arms remained steady till sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Joshua had been free from slavery just two months. Two months ago, he's a slave. Now he's commander of the Israelite army. That's a massive shift in responsibility and uh, position. Very likely, the Israelites didn't have a lot of experience in combat. And now they're fighting to protect their families, their possessions, all that they have. It's a fight for existence. The story is very interesting because their victory rested entirely upon God's supernatural provision. When Moses held up that staff of God, representing God's power, God's provision, they did well. They won the battle. But when Moses became weak and he could no longer hold the staff up, they began to lose the battle. In Zechariah 4, 6, God tells the Israelites another period of their story, of their history. In another overwhelming moment, he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The victory was dependent upon God, upon his power, not on how good the Israelites fought, which is a good thing when you've been slaves for 400 years and you don't know how to fight very well. It's good to know that God is the one winning the victory. Very often in life, we start to think we are self-sufficient. I got this, I can handle it. But it's not our strength. It's not our power. It's his spirit. Is how we win the victories we need in life. As smart, as wise as capable and as strong as you are, you still need God in your life. You need His help. There are some battles you can't win on your own. But in this story, we also see something else. Not only did the Israelites need God, they needed one another. They couldn't do it alone. Joshua, he needed Moses to stand up there on the hill, on the mountain. And he needed to be able to look up there and say, Moses is holding up the staff of God. Moses is there. He needed that. Moses needed Aaron and her to hold up his arms. Moses couldn't do it by himself. He got worn out. He got tired, and his arms started to come down. He needed somebody to hold up his arms. Somebody to say, Moses, you're not alone. I've got your back. I'll support you. Look at the person to your left. Now, look at the person to your right. Whether they're willing to admit it or not, there's going to be some moments in their life where they need someone to hold up their hands, there's moments where they're struggling. Some moments where life gets overwhelming and they just need somebody to say, I've got your back. You may feel weak, but I'm with you and we're gonna get through this together. Christ's legacy, what is our purpose statement? Our purpose statement is we find God, give hope and we do life together. All three of those involve not being alone and receiving help. When you find God, you're not alone, are you? You may be at the end of your rope. You may be out of hope, but we serve a God with endless rope and a God of eternal hope. He's there to help you. You may feel broken, but we serve a God. He fixes people. He put things back together. Your arms might be heavy. You may feel beat up, but guess what? When you find God, when you enter his presence, everything changes. There is nothing like the presence of God to change your circumstances and your life. Places and spaces. We're going to be spending this whole month talking about what happens when you get in God's presence. The next part of our purpose statement is we give hope. Joshua gave him hope when he looked up there at that hill and he saw Moses holding up the staff of God. That represented hope. That represented that God was with them. That God was in the battle. That they weren't fighting this alone, but that God was going to help them. He was going to lead them through this. Moses needed hope that when his strength was gone, when he'd reached the end of his rope, he didn't have to do it on his own. There was somebody there to have his back, somebody there to help him. Moses needed hope. There are some people in this room right now, you're trying to push through, you're trying to get some victories in life. You're trying to overcome some stuff, grab hold of your dreams. And you need to know you're not alone. There's a God in heaven who has your back. He has all kinds of wonderful things planned for you. You're not alone. When people realize deep down inside their soul that God is with them, that God loves them, that there's people around them who are willing to come to their aid and help them, then they have hope. We give hope by holding up the arms of those around us so they're not alone, so they have somebody there to help them. The last part of our purpose statement is we do life together. It's important. Just last week, we started our life groups. How many of you attended the life group last week? Yes, it's Awesome. It's wonderful just being able to get together with other believers and just being able to fellowship, being able to have a conversation. There is something so wonderful about it. If you're not a part of a life group, I encourage you to find one. Go to our CLC event page, find one in your area, join a group, get connected, do life together. Moses didn't go up to the top of that hill by himself. He could have, he could have said, You know, Aaron and her, I'm just holding up a staff. It's not that big a deal. You can stay down in the camp. I'll go up to the hill, hold the staff up while the battle happens, and we're good. You know, in all honesty, they may not have realized the battle was going to take all day. Moses could have been like, you know, I'm just going to hold the staff up for a few hours. Our guys have got this. I don't need any help. But he didn't. He said, Aaron and her, come with me. They were together. Can you imagine what would have happened if Moses had been on top of that hill and his arms got tired? And there was nobody there to hold his hands up. Sometimes we end up in that moment where we feel alone. We need to do life together. We need someone standing beside us. So if we stumble, they're there to pick us back up again. I like what Ecclesiastes says in chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two, two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Are your arms getting tired here today? And who do you have around you that can hold up your hand? I wanna explore with you today this topic of holding each other's arms up. How do we do it? What does it look like? And what kind of impact does it have upon us and upon our community and our church? Our first point, whose arms are you holding up? Whose arms are you holding up? Moses, he stood there with his arms in the air, holding that staff as the battle began. 30 minutes passed, an hour passed, He's got a little sweat trickling down the sides of his cheeks. He's starting to feel it in his arms, but he's doing the will of God. He's fulfilling his purpose, and he keeps those arms up high. A few more hours pass, and now sweat's starting to drench down Moses. His son's beating down his head, and he's starting to feel it. His back and arm muscles are cramping. He's got this staff up in the air. He's doing everything he can, but slowly his arms start coming down, and finally... They just collapse. He can't do it any longer. But to his dismay, to his horror, as his arms come down, the Amalekites seem to have new energy. Israelites start to lose the battle. Moses, with every ounce of strength he had left, he pushes those arms back up and he holds it again. And it lasts for a while, but then he reaches the end of his rope. He's done everything he could. He's held his arms up as long as he could. And now there's just nothing left. But in that moment... When he had nothing left, Aaron and her come and they raise those arms back up again. Sometimes we reach the end of our rope. Sometimes we need somebody just to come alongside and say, I'm praying for you. Oh, that means so much when somebody says, I'm praying for you, you're not alone. Sometimes an encouraging word is all we need. Somebody to smile at us and say, I appreciate what you do. Sometimes we need someone to, someone just to talk to a pastor friend of mine. He said, sometimes you need somebody to bleed on. <laughs> somebody there to just help you out a little bit when you're bleeding. People who lifted up his arms had his back. That's what Moses had. Are your arms getting heavy? There are moments in our life where we falter. Our arms get tired. We just can't keep going in our own strength. We need some help. We need someone to have our back and to say, you're not alone. There's a story in the Bible that always makes me think. It's found in 2 Samuel, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. It's a story about David. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel, and when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Badab was a descendant of the giant. That means he was related to Goliath. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. That's a new one. Typically when we think of David, we think of the mighty warrior, the man who slew Goliath. And yet here's David exhausted. He's cornered. He goes on to say, But Abishai, son of Zerul came to David's rescue and killed the Philistine. Then David's men declared, You're not going out to battle with us again. Why risk snuffing out the light of Israel? David's a mighty warrior. He, the Bible talks about they sang songs about all that he did. But there comes a moment where even David, he needs help. He's fighting this giant. He, had, he, didn't, he wasn't thinking about it. It's no big deal. He's fought giants before. As he goes to the battle, his breath starts coming in quicker and quicker gasps, and his arm is getting heavy, and he's realizing, I can't defeat this one. He realizes he needs help. We all need help. Doesn't matter if you're a pastor, doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for 50 years, we all need one another. We need somebody to lift up our arms, someone to pray for us. Whose arms are you lifting up? Who are you praying for? Who are you encouraging? Somebody's a God in Oklahoma. They've been using the slogan the last few years, we're better together. I believe that. We are better together. How many of you believe that? Do you believe we are better together? We are better when we uphold and help one another. My second point, someone is in the battle. Someone right now is in the battle. And when you hold your arms up, when you pray for them, when you encourage them, it's going to make a powerful difference. Joshua is in the battle. He's leading the armies of Israel. Very likely this is Joshua's first time in command. I don't know about you, but if it was my first time commanding army, I'd be a little nervous. I was a slave two months ago, now I'm commanding an army and I've got a battle in front of me. There's probably a little nerves inside of Joshua, but he looks up there on the hill and he sees Moses and he sees that staff of God. That staff of God that's represented God's power, God's presence, and God's help all throughout this journey. And Joshua knows it's gonna be all right. God is with them. There are people around us who are in the battle, they're struggling. Maybe it's with fear, maybe it's with depression, maybe it could be temptation, it could be a tragedy, maybe they're just feeling lost. But whatever battle they're in, they're watching you. When they see your arms up, when they see you, it brings encouragement. Moses standing there with the staff of God, he was supporting the army. It was basically as if Moses was interceding for them, praying for them. He was obedient to God and his obedience was positioning the nation of Israel for victory. Your faithfulness equips others to achieve their victory in life. Your prayers make a difference. You doing your part creates impact. Moses wasn't down there fighting. He was holding up the staff of God, but he was doing his part. Aaron and her weren't holding the staff. They were supporting the arms, but every single role was vital. Each person through their actions were impacting those around them. When we pray, when we intercede, when we take action, work together, We see our world changed. Christ Legacy Church, our community's watching. I love that we make such an impact in our community. I love that we were able to go and paint playground equipment for Will Rogers Elementary School. I love that we have a partner with WizKids to help kids learn to read. I love that we have an adoption foster care program. I love that today we have backpacks all over the stage because we're gonna be handing out backpacks. We're gonna be giving hope to our community. Our community's watching, how is all this possible? How can we do all this? Because we are holding each other's arms up. We're supporting and equipping each other and this church to impact our community. Your ties, your time, your smile, your volunteering, your encouragement, your faithfulness, and your willingness makes all this possible. We can't do it by ourselves. I would hate for us as a staff to try and do all our outreach all by ourselves. That would be overwhelming. We make a difference because we hold each other's arms up. Our community sees a church that can make a huge difference because this church is supported by a congregation who is faithful to hold up the arms and say, we're going to change our world for Jesus Christ because that is our purpose. You hold up the arms of outreach. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, don't forget to do good to share with those in need because these are the sacrifices that please God. Galatians 6.10, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Galatians two. carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. John 15.12, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. We are to help and support each other. You don't know it, but people are watching. People who are struggling, they're looking for someone to care. And if we exemplify, if we show that as a church that we care, that we're gonna hold their arms up, they're gonna be attracted to this church. We gain opportunities to help people by helping people. Joshua, felt encouraged because he could see Moses standing there. He could see her and Aaron holding up Moses' arms. If you're in a struggle today, If you feel overwhelmed and worn out, be encouraged. I truly believe you are in a church where you can have God's help, a church where you're surrounded by people willing to hold up your arms and help you achieve the victories that you need. Can anyone say amen? My third point is this, your prayers have no expiration date. Your prayers have no expiration date. I love milk. I drink milk by the gallons. It was a while back. I went to pour myself a glass of milk and my milk had flakes in it. Milk's not supposed to have flakes in it. I may have left it in the fridge a little too long. It was a time a while back. I was very busy for a number of reasons. And uh, my cheese turned green. My leftovers started to look like something from another planet. Turns out pretty much everything has an expiration date. I love couponing. I like using coupons, but they have expiration dates too. They don't last forever, which I wish they did. Hey, I once got a whole sheet of coupons for Dairy Queen. I just couldn't quite use them all up in the time I had, but I wish I, maybe I just need to eat more Dairy Queen. I guess that's the lesson. Everything has expiration dates. Well, almost everything. Our prayers have no expiration date. Those prayers, they just keep creating impact and more impact and more impact. I grew up living with my grandmother. Now, my grandmother was the type of person, you'd go to bed and she'd still be praying. You'd wake up in the morning and she's already been up for hours praying. She was a prayer. She was interceder. Sometimes growing up, if life was just miserable, I'd go sleep in Nan's bed. And the reason why is you would just, you could feel it. You could feel in the air that she was there praying for you. And you could just feel her prayers just wrap you in peace. You knew as you went to sleep that she was interceding for whatever was going on in your life and that God's, was, God's presence was there, that God was gonna answer it. My grandmother, she was my biggest supporter in ministry. I started out preaching 18 years old at retirement centers and she'd go hear me preach. She'd listen to me practice the sermons four or five times a week. Most of you would not want to hear me preach the same sermon five times a week. You'd be like, you know, Sam, I've heard it three times already. I don't need to hear it a fourth. But she faithfully listened to me. She's prayed lots of prayers for me and I'm still watching those prayers come to pass today. That's amazing to me. She's passed away. She's been uh, gone for a number of years, but her prayers are still creating impact. The prayers we lead, we pray leave a legacy of impact. When you get down on your hands and knees week after week, month after month, and you pray for someone and you say, God, heal them or God, save them. And then you see God answer that prayer. That creates lasting impact. Those people that we pray for and then they get saved, they're going to go tell other people and they're going to impact other people. And we have a part in all that because we were faithful. Our prayers have a lasting impact. Our faithfulness produces lasting fruit. Moses was holding the staff of God. It represented God's presence, God's power. Moses had used this staff, stretched it out in the Red Sea, it's parted open. He'd hit the ground in Egypt and the dust became gnats. He hit the water and it became blood during the time of the 10 plagues. It represented God's power. Moses holding that staff, it could be compared to us praying for one another, interceding. Moses was obeying God and his obedience brought God's presence and God's blessing to the situation. When we pray, it brings God's presence to the situation. How many of you need God's presence in your situation today? Amen. James 5, 16 through 18 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The King James Version says the effectual fervent prayer. Effectual means having legal force. When you pray according to the will of God, when you pray according to the Bible, it's got the legal force, it's got the power of God's word behind it. Fervency, it means passionate intensity. means you're really putting your heart into that prayer. That kind of prayer makes impact. It goes on to say, Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then he prayed again. The sky sent down rain. The earth began to yield its crops. 1 John 5, 15 and 16. We are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know he will give us what we ask for. 1 Timothy 2, 1 says, I urge you, Paul, is talking to Timothy, he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Prayer has impact. And I love that. Your prayers create a legacy of impact that lives on beyond your life here on earth. I try and keep a running prayer list of all the prayer needs I know. You know, it's amazing how long that list gets when you start writing down every prayer need that you hear about. Imagine the impact if we pray for every single prayer need we learned about. Imagine the impact we would have. Our prayers change things. When I was preaching at retirement centers, periodically I'd get a resident that would come up to me and be like, there's not much I can do for you or I wish I could do more, but I'm praying for you. I'd always encourage them to be like, no, 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 you don't understand. Your prayers are powerful. There is something about having individuals pray for you. Literally like you, you can feel people's prayers are holding you up. They're empowering you to keep going. Because when we pray for people, it's spiritually holding their arms up. It's saying, I've got your back. I'm with you. It is asking God to supernaturally empower them and intervene in their situation. That day in combat, all of Israel, they could look up on that hill And they could see Moses and they could say, God's with us. God's going to help us. We're going to win this battle, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When the battle's done, God says, Moses, write down what happened. Write it all down and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Why? Because 40 years later. Joshua's going to be standing on the border of the promised land standing by the Jordan River. He's now commander of the entire Israelite army or of the entire nation, actually. And Joshua had some what-ifs inside his brain. Moses was a better commander than him, a better leader than him. But now he's got to lead the people. People didn't listen to Moses. They had to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years because they didn't listen to Moses and to God. And now Joshua has a responsibility to lead them across the Jordan River, to fight the battles, to win the promised land, to get everything God asked for them. Three times in the first chapter of Joshua, God says to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. If God's repeating it that often, that tells me Joshua, he he was struggling a little, but he could remember back to what Moses had rehearsed in his ears. He could remember back this, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It doesn't matter what you're facing, God's in control. He can help you overcome it. Moses' prayers, Moses' faithfulness, Moses' willingness impacted Joshua 40 years later. I remember back to my darkest moments, to my deepest struggles, and I remember those people who were there for me, those people who prayed for me, those people who encouraged me, those people who said, I'm gonna help you through this and it's gonna be okay because God's got this. I remember the people who held up my arms. I bet you remember them too. In your darkest moment, you remember that person who was there for you. So my last point, I close with this. How do we hold each other's arms up? We've looked at the story in the Bible. We've examined all the lessons we can learn from it. We see the need. So how do we do it? Four simple things. Number one, be present. Aaron and her were present with Moses. They could hold up his arms. They could help him. They could support him because they were there with him. In 2019, July 1st, my grandmother passed away from cancer. Been a long, horrible road. The masses were around her throat. We got support she couldn't even swallow. We're in the ICU. It's, it's looking bad. We know it's, it's over. And we call up Pastor T. Many of you have seen Pastor T. He preached here just about a month ago. We called him up. Now, sometimes in like comedies or in uh, like animation, you like call somebody and then you turn around and it's like, ah, they're there. That's literally pretty much what happened with Pastor T. We call him and we turn around and he's there and you're like, how many speed limits did you break to get here? You got here so fast, but he was there, he present. And I remember there came that moment we were going to be taking my grandmother off the machines and it was coming to an end and I said my goodbyes and I said my goodbyes, motion just welled up inside me and I turned and I was, I was running. I don't know where I was running, but I, was, I, had, I just had to get out of there but I didn't quite make it out of the room because instead I ran into Pastor T. And that man, he just grabbed me the biggest bear hug you could possibly imagine. He just helped me. He was present. By the time I got done crying, the front of his shirt was wet, but he didn't care. He was there. and He was there for us through it all. There's something powerful about being present. The second thing we do is we act in love. Jesus said in John 13:35, your love for one another will prove to the world you are my disciples. We prove to the world we're Christians when we show love. True love's wanting what's best for someone. True love is seeing their hurt, their pain, their struggle, and we run towards them. We say, I'm going to be there for you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to be there to help you through this. The third thing is pray for one another. How many of you believe prayer has power? I believe it. Amen. We pray for each other. And number four, we take action. We put faith in motion by taking action. Are your arms getting tired? Are you willing to take action so God can bring hope to your life today? You could stand with me all across this room. We are the family of God and families support one another. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I know there's some people in this room, they're struggling. They got some stuff they're going through. Maybe a dream feels dead. Maybe it's a temptation you're struggling with. But people, they need hope and peace. Whatever it is going on in your life right now, if you're struggling with something, would you be willing to leave your seat, to come down here to the altar and to raise your hands? Would you just come and just start praising God as we sing this song? Would you come and just say, God, I surrender. Oh, help me in this moment. And then those of you who aren't down here at the altar, who haven't raised your hands, and who aren't going through something, what I would ask is that as people come down here, if you would just come behind them and just lay a hand on their shoulder. Support them. Show them you're holding up their arms. They're not alone. Whatever they're going through, they are at a church. They have a church family willing to support them and love them through this and help them. Would you do that? For those around you today, you can go ahead and start. All my words fall short, I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs. As I often do, every song must end, and you Except for a heart Thank you for each and every single one of these individuals. God, I pray for them. For every person who came down here and raised their hands and said, God, I've got something going on in my life. God, I just pray your blessing, your protection, your favor, your wisdom, your provision upon their life. And I thank you, Lord God, for every single person, Lord God, who has either come down here to lay a hand on them or stretched their hand out and is praying for them. Lord God, thank you that as a community, as a church, Lord God, we are here to support one another. We are here to pray for one another. We are here to hold each other's arms up so we can achieve victory in our life. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. While we're in this atmosphere of prayer, we also have one other thing. we got an outreach this this, uh, evening. We're going to be giving away some backpacks. So would you stretch your hand out towards all these backpacks? We're going to pray God's blessing upon them. We're going to pray for the kids, for the families. We're going to pray protection upon them. We're going to pray God's provision upon their lives. So if you could just stretch out your hand towards these backpacks as we pray for them. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every one of these backpacks, God for the families and the children, Lord God, who will receive them, Lord. God, let them be a connection to you. Help them bring, God, just help those backpacks to meet a need. And God, touch these individuals' lives. I pray for salvations, for hope, for new inside their lives. And we just agree, Lord God, this outreach will make a powerful difference. In Jesus' name, amen.